The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Welcome to the Fantasy Golf Degenerates Podcast. What is going on, DGen Nation? Tyler Tambolin here for another edition of the Fantasy Golf Degenerates Podcast. This week for the Bermuda Championship. And as you can tell, it's Tyler and not Kenny doing this intro this week. Kenny's not going to be able to make it. So bringing in our resident fill-in, Mr. Ryan Baroff. Ryan, what's happening, my man? Hey, Tambo. Thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, we got to do one of these as a three-man. We had a lot of fun, but uh, I... I got to join Kenny last month and excited to chat with you today, even though it's uh, not a great event. Yeah, the event is pretty weak. We're going to get to that. Before I go into the event and ask you some stuff about last week there, Bear Off, I'm just going to remind everyone quickly we're sponsored and presented by rotogrinders.com. Head on over to rotogrinders.com slash DGEN. Get yourself five bucks off the first month for the Core 4 Premium. Access to everything I'm doing over there, both golf and football related, and plenty of other stuff on top of that. But yeah, last week, let's talk about that first, Ryan. We're going to get to this event, quote-unquote event, if you will. It's golf, though. We can't be mad, and they're treating it uh, as what we've seen lately, where these are the real events, right? Usually opposite one of the WGCs. Now uh, it's got a different setup, so we're going to get full points, full FedEx Cup. Early in the season, we got to talk about FedEx Cup just like they do on TV. But let's go back to last week for a second. You know, the Zozo, Mr. Patrick Cantlay. We had 2-3 in the world, Rom and Thomas. I thought it was... It really was theirs to lose, and sure enough, they did, but I really didn't think that was going to happen. You know, JT imploding. I'll call it that. I know he still only lost by one stroke, and that that amazing iron shot on 18, where was that back a couple holes before when he was in the creek? But what was your thoughts on the event, and how was your week overall? 
Yeah, I mean, glad I, I added a little bit of Cantlay, but uh, I was very surprised not to see Rom or JT win. And I felt like they both played okay on Sunday. You know, they hit some bad shots, especially JT down the stretch. But I mean, overall, they, they both just played great all week. So that was pretty surprising. Uh, I personally feel a little bit, um, I feel a little bit dirty from playing so much Jordan Spieth last week, but he didn't finish well, but he scored well. So that was good. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, it was a, a, a pretty exciting event. You get to see a lot of the top players were there and playing well. Um, and then even the ones who weren't playing well, like, I mean, Rory, you know, he made a ton of birdies and he had an excellent Sunday. Xander, who was pretty sloppy all week, shot, what, minus seven or eight on Sunday. So just low scores all around. Yeah, Kenny was, I mean, he was on speed last week all over him. He loved it, and we talked about it. I thought the scoring factor the week before where he came like 38th place and then had 13, uh, 13th in DK scoring because of all the birdies, and this week getting his dad on the bag and everything, I thought that was something. But it was interesting because I had a pretty good week. Uh, it was could have been a lot better, but it was a, a pretty good week. Moved on in the Fantasy Golf World Championship, so headed to round two. I'm not quite sure why they wanted to host it this week when they could have waited for the Houston Open for round two and then let it you know run into the Masters as it's going to anyway. Whoever makes it past this week's the top 100 that moved on from last week was 200. The top 40 of this week will move on and they'll take the week off the Houston Open and be back for the Masters. I'm really hoping to get there because I really don't want to fire at the uh, the $4,500 Mega Millie with 50% of the prize pool at the first place. So we're almost getting there to a winner take all, Baroff. Any thoughts on that or did you see that one? I've been, yeah, and I, I, I've sadly been chasing those uh, qualifiers as well because I will not be buying indirectly to that. So I'm about yeah. 0 for 9 so far, um, but we trudge on. And how many second places? We know that's your MO, right? What, what's going on there? Many, and, and it, it varies. It, it could be main plate. It could be showdown. Yeah, you just never know. The disappointment never ends. I loved uh, last night, a little off topic, but you, you posted Russell Wilson runs so good, and then he didn't in the end, but he, it does seem like he always does, right? We always... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like they're a decently coached team. I, I don't think Pete Carroll is, is, is anything great, but it just seems like teams make so many stupid mistakes against Seattle. If it's clock management, if it's some, some late turnover, but yeah, I was, was very happy to see them lose last night. Yeah, that was a great turnaround. You mushed it. What else is new? That's your other second year. Besides coming in second in qualifiers, that is your next best skill. So love to see it. That's awesome. As far as the event goes, just a couple other things to note, I think. Again, only Brendan Todd, the, the defending champion at the Bermuda Championship, is coming over from the Zozo. So it's not like we're going to spend a bunch of time on this. But, you know, you and I joked a little bit. I guess just talk about Cantley a little more because I was I remember texting yesterday afternoon saying, there's no way he does this, right? He's basically like, I tease the American Hideki, where it's basically takes this type of round, which he did it again yesterday on a Sunday, same as when he won at Memorial, even with Adam Scott having an incredible Sunday. It was Cantley that got the handshake at the end, and they called it the buzzsaw round. This is what we saw again, but he said afterwards pretty calmly in the interview, you know, I, I come to these tournaments, I expect to win, I do my thing, and it, it sounds and, and relates kind of to DFS, right? You keep putting yourself in those positions is what he talked about. You're going to eventually get to the top of the leaderboard, and it's going to come, and, and we see it every week in DFS, but also in golf. And so what are your thoughts on Cantley just as a whole and what we should expect going in? Because we're getting close to the Masters here now, right? And that's where he had another good run last year, and so people are already looking at him on, on the board. And then guys like Bubba as well, maybe thoughts on him too. Yeah, I mean, people always, um, they always overreact, right? If it's Bubba, if it's Cantley, whatever. Um, but yeah, look, he he made a lot of putts. He's historically been, you know, a pretty good all-around player, except for the putting. Um, 
he went on a bit of a slump, it seems like, the last, what, three, four months. He hasn't been great since the restart. I don't know if there was any injury there or just rust or anything like that, but um, he was slowly trending back to where he needs to be. The ball striking started to come back, and then last week he, he finally made putts. Uh, he obviously feels very comfortable playing out on the West Coast. Um, I think he's the type of player also who can excel on a lot of different courses. You know, he's he's known as a ball striker, a very, yeah. very good iron player, but, you know, he's, he's plenty long, uh, and there's no doubt about that. I, I don't know how I feel about him at Augusta, um, and that's no knock on him. It's just there are so many really, really elite players that fit that course better. And, like, even when he was close last year and lost to Tiger, like, yes, he made some mistakes down the end. But I, I, I just think, like, when you look at it, if Rom and JT and Rory and Bryson and Brooks are all there, I, I just don't know if he has the firepower. Yeah. Um, Bubba, it's very interesting. Uh, I've made a lot of money on Bubba in the last month from when he was, you know, low sevens. Uh, now up to 8,700 where it was last week, but um, the ball striking has just been off the charts and he's honestly been doing more of it with the irons than off the tee, which, you know, is very rare for him. And um, he, he's not a great putter. He has obviously courses that he likes and he puts well there, but his short game is super underrated. And I think you saw that a lot last week. He hit some really, really good chips from uh, the rough, but also from like the tight runoff areas as well, which is what he'll need at Augusta course that he loves so I'm afraid that the numbers are getting a little bit short I, I doubt you can find him more than 40 maybe 45 right now um, but uh, yeah there's no reason to think he won't contend yeah I missed the 60 I'm not sure if you got on that or you got even better maybe but uh, the uh, did you get did you get the 60 I did not the only the only thing that I have uh, right now is I have a 60 or 66 on on web that was the only thing that I have so far yeah, and that's the guy that just crushed me yesterday. I had I had a good run going in the $44, and he was part of it, and he disappeared. It was a lot of disappointment. I was happy to get through on the other. But, yeah, the uh, JT, 12-1, to 1, that buried me, you know, coming in second. Yep. I thought it was his to lose beyond everyone, even though Rom was right there, and I love that guy. It was, you know, JT does huge mistakes down the stretch and still then puts it, like, two feet or three feet from the hole on 18 and says, please, just anything, help me here. And it almost goes in. So good for him bouncing back. But, you know, he, he didn't sleep very much after that. And then Connors, 140 to one with the T5 each way. Thank you very much for that bogey at the end. Really appreciate that. Even though it would have been chopped up some, he could have done a lot more. But to your point yeah. with Bubba, he showed us a lot over the entire weekend. And that's why you've seen the numbers drop. I think I saw 33 to one on my main book this morning. But at the same time, same thing yesterday. He was actually in one of my, well, my best one of the three that were up there. It was, uh, you know, a couple chips down the stretch that weren't the greatest. And then that one putt was just super wide. I don't know what was going on there. He missed the read completely, but he could have easily been 21, 22 under himself. And it's kind of nice to see this. I'm hoping from a DFS perspective that guys like him and Cantlay just sort of disappear down the board a little bit. That's where I'd be get a little bit more interested. I'm not sure that they will, but like you said, we're looking at a packed field Going into Augusta, don't want to spend too much more time on it. Just like to pick your brain. Don't get to have you on here all that often, but we love when you do come on and appreciate it very much. So uh, let's move over to the Listener League. Uh, Jay North, 1989, a regular. This guy, you know, 720 points. He, he put up 720.5 to be exact. Uh, beat the field by 16 points. I'll read the line off, lineup off to you, Bear Off, and you tell me what you think here. John Rahm, 20%. Patrick Cantlay, 8% owned. Bubba Watson, 14%. Ryan Palmer, love the, the Ron Palmer correlation. Been talking about that forever. It just seems that they always go together at the same course. Uh, 21% on Palmer, so nice to see that there. 
he did have Jordan Spieth at 17%. And then Kevin Kisner, who I liked, uh, surprisingly still 13% owned here. But, you know, that's a pretty nice lineup overall. What are your thoughts? Yeah, no, that's a great team. I, I, I honestly probably had ones very close to that. Um, I played champ over Kisner, who was even better. Um, I think that's another situation too, where like, if you see guys who can hit the ball far and their ball striking numbers are off the charts, like it's hard for them to fail. So we saw it with champ. We saw it with Bubba. Um, yeah. I mean, that team was great. I was shocked, honestly. And, uh, it sounds like Bubba was higher in your listener league than he was most other places. Cause I had a lot of Bubba at, at eight, 9% owned in some contests. So he was definitely a key. And I felt like, you know, he was in a bit of a dead pricing zone there where people were either uh, doing two studs or they took three guys over 9k and then they were skipping over Bubba so um, I think that construction was great and of course it, it helps when you get one two on the leaderboard so yeah. Um, Palmer yeah Palmer is is just an excellent birdie maker um, he struggled Sunday but I think he managed to shoot three under uh, but yeah makes a lot of birdies a lot of streaks has has eagle upside uh, I did not play enough Ryan Palmer I I, th I think late on, on Wednesday, I swapped most of my Palmer over to uh, Munoz, which was fine. I mean, looked good for a long time, but ultimately, you know, Palmer got there. So yeah, um, a very strong team overall. I, I was not on Kisner, but a lot of people were, I think the price and uh, the upside, you know, he was probably a little bit too cheap last week. Yeah. 6,800. And you will see there's, you know, this field's totally different. We're going to get to it. I think the you know interesting part about Jay North was just the lineup with, like you said, the lineup construction that once you went down to Cantlay, it allowed you could get Bubba and then, you know, Palmer and a couple 6k guys. That's a nice build. And it just took Cantlay, you know, coming back and having that Sunday round to get it there because before that there was plenty of Rom JT lineups that were affordable with the scores that, you know, I talked about on my Wednesday show that I do every week over at Roto Grinders. I said, look, I'm actually separating Rom and JT. If they come one, two, and it kills me, so be it. But I built in a set, and I said, I am going to go back and build like 20 lineups with Rom and JT together because there's enough guys in that lower price tier that can score enough points. And we're, we'll, we'll talk about it here for the Bermuda Championship. There's some weather. There's some course fit stuff. We'll go through when we get to that. But I think that, you know, it's another scoring weekend, and it's just a spot where that's really the only time I like the build where you're getting aggressive in the stars and scrubs down at the bottom in these, uh, these no cut events, because otherwise typically it's like a WGC. It's really a strong field at the top and it's tough to see three of these guys and they normally don't score enough to get up there. So shout out to Jay North, 1989. We'll get him out. It's going to be a four man this week with bear off. And last shout out on the, uh, the Lister league is Benay B E N A Y. The guy that won it last week, he was also in the fantasy golf world championship. I hope he didn't spend all his run good. Cause it didn't matter. Top 100 out of 200 was all you had to do. And he came in first in that tournament. He's 26th here in the Lister League, different lineups. But his main lineup or whatever he chose to use over there blew the field away in the, uh, in the main Fantasy Golf World Championship round one qualifier. So props to him. Uh, moving on, let's talk a little bit about this week here, Ryan. Maybe you can go in. Uh, you know, I'm not expecting Kenny Kim-esque, but just a little bit on you know, what you're seeing with the course and then maybe what you're looking for as far as golfers because – realistically it's a, a one-year event right it's only the second year here for you know the the main events and, and then on top of that also uh it's only got as i mentioned brendan todd coming over from the zozo so it's a kind of what have you done for me lately and what can you do type of field yeah exactly and i think you know this course um it's pretty typical of all these kind of the short resort courses that we see um at this time of year you know if it's uh, punta cana or mayacoba or this one now bermuda you know 
they're short coastal exposed courses where the biggest defense is wind. And I think we're going to get a lot of wind this week. So we'll have to kind of see how that plays out this week. If there are, are any wave advantages, there's uh, obviously no way we can uh, really have a meaningful conversation about that yet. That's something that you want to watch, you know, uh, early Wednesday, late Wednesday, but um, yeah, short course. Um, I think it's like 6,800 yards uh, par 71. And so again, you know, all of that um, is really just going to lead you to the shorter, more accurate hitters. And, if you look back at, I mean, what happened last year, which is the only year of data we have here, you know, I mean, Todd won, obviously, but if you look at the leaderboard, you know, Higgs and Hank Laboida and Ryan Gay and Fabian Gomez and David Hearn and Ryan Armour, like it's, it's pretty clear what you need here. Um, and so I think that's going to dictate a lot of uh, where people go and maybe, and maybe that's where you get a little bit of leverage. You know, there's not that many bombers per se in this. But, you know, maybe that's where you can get different when people are going to be going for kind of the safer plotters, better wedge players, and you go a different way and play like, you know, Luke List and Ventura and Hoffman and just try and get a little bit different that way. So um, I think roster construction is going to be very interesting this week. Um, usually in these types of fields that are really, really weak, the ownership gets pretty concentrated. Um, so I'm going to see how that shakes out. And that's probably going to be the biggest advantage this week. Yeah. I love talking about that and taking advantage of that in general, just when you get the fields that are super weak, it's like you said, it gets to a point where, you know, one guy in a range just ends up getting 20 or 22% or something. There's five. Or it's going to be Max Homa this week. It sounds like, so I guess yeah. we'll get there, but it seems like that is the one guy who's just, I guess, based on name brand and kind of his accomplishments, like he is very much underpriced. Yeah, and we'll get down to that range, but then that's what I'm saying. You got, you know, Hadley, Garnett, Stanley, Duffner. It's I'm not saying you got to go to all these guys. We'll get some. I'm not really in love with any of them, but just that's one factor. And then the other thing is, too, I, I mean, I'm sure you've looked and spent some time on the pricing, but there is quite a few names from 7,900 down to 7,000 this week yeah. versus below. And, you know, that makes it interesting because at the top, I think everyone's going to, and we'll segue in, I guess now's a good time. So, at the top, you know, we've got Brendan Todd at 11,100. That's the elephant in the room. We mentioned the only guy coming over, the defending champion, you know, quotes around it, likes this course, gains a million strokes putting, whatever you want to say, but he's coming here for a reason. And, you know, it probably will be something we see again. But at the same time, I, I think just early thoughts here, Monday, you know, Monday evening, that many are going to say the same thing we're about to say and say, look, if you want to play him, go ahead. He'll probably do this. He'll probably do that in the, in the form of short game putting around the green save himself that way. And who knows what he'll do on Sunday to, you know, how does he finish it out? But what, what's your thoughts on Brendan Todd? And then I guess the rest of the range right down to Emiliano Grillo at uh, 10,100, because I think it's going to be an interesting spot here where we don't have many names at the bottom that people are going to want to play. It's more of what's looking like a balanced week. Yeah, I agree. You know, I don't, um, I mean, I don't play Todd when he's 8,400. So yeah, <laughs> I, I, I can't imagine that I'm going to play him here now the things that he does really well are the things that you need here, right? You need to be good in the win. You need to hit fairways and you need to putt well, because probably the winner here is going to be 20, 2200 par. Um, now, is that going to pay off for 11,100? Probably not right over the last month or so. He, he really hasn't played great. Um, he's been bailed out a lot by the short game as usual. So um, probably going to be taking a hard stance here and saying no Brendan Todd um, of those other guys at the top. You know, the good news is that, uh, there are two for me that are way above the rest in my model. Um, and I won't tell you the order of them, but it is Zalatoris and Harold Varner. So 
I think those are also the two guys who probably have the most birdie upside. Um, so if I had to choose two out of the five, it would be those two. And, and, and I think that makes sense because ownership is probably going to flock to Redmond and Grio. Yeah, that's, that's a interesting take. I, I thought the opposite. I thought, you know, Werner and Redmond would be obviously Zalatoris. I shouldn't say that. I, I thought Zalatoris would get some hype, but you know, I know people are off Brendan Todd, I guess Grillo because of how, what he's been doing lately, but I, I actually like uh, Varner and Redmond here. Uh, the one thing that worries me a little bit about Redmond and that is you mentioned last year's leaderboard and it's again, one year sample size stuff to go off of. But I think that, you know, only really, if you look at the board, Scotty Scheffler and Aaron Wise, those are really the only two of you, you want to talk about quote unquote firepower or what you would think of like these young guns, massive upside, let's go type of thing. Uh, that's sort of the only ones that stood out. So for me, that would really be Zalatoris and Redmond. I, lo I love HV3, but at the same time, Zalatoris and Redmond seem like those two, but then the prices are quite higher than what we're used to seeing. So I wonder if, like I said, because there's more balanced lineups out there that you can build, the sticker shock of guys like Todd, HV3, even Will Zalatoris up here at 10-9 throws people off a little bit, but I I'm, I'm seeing similar with birdie makers. You know, Varner's the one that would stand out the most for me as far as all-around stats, tee to green approach, uh, opportunities, birds, birdies are better. Basically, everything over the last 50 rounds, looking at Fantasy National, where he stands out with the st statistics. So, uh, any follow up thoughts there? What about Redmond? You, you talked about Grillo and Redmond getting the love, but you, you don't have any love for Redmond? Not that I don't have love. He, he just always seems to be a, a little bit over owned. Um, and now I think he's a little bit overpriced. I think, I think that in itself is probably going to steer me away. Um, he also wasn't, um, he wasn't particularly good in his last start uh, relative to how he's been. And so the miscut at Shriners, like, I don't care about the miscut. He shot five under, he missed by one, right? I don't, I don't think it's bad if you shoot five under and miss the cut. Um, but like when you look at his, um, his previous couple of starts, you know, he was gaining, he gained 10 strokes ball striking at Safeway. He gained about six or five at Sanderson Farms. And then he gained less than one ball striking at Shriners. So I think, again, we're splitting hairs here at the top, but I'll, yeah. I think the guy who's been trending the wrong way at an elevated price and probably elevated ownership is, is probably the one that I'm going to steer away from. Yeah, I don't hate that when you put it that way. It's like you said, there's a, a few other things you can consider, but that's definitely one of them. And then Grillo, I just have a hard time going there ever. You know, like I said, even he's been my boy in the past. And lately, even, at, you know, like you said, with uh, Brendan Todd not playing him at 8,400, I definitely have not been playing Grillo with some of the elevated price tags. And now we're up to 10-1. I'd much rather go just drop it into the next range to a guy like Charlie Hoffman, you know, getting ready for his Augusta run here that we know he's going to go on, right? He's first round leader at Augusta every year, whatever. He's got to, got to get into form for that. But if you look at his numbers, same thing across the board, trending a little bit in the right direction. And if you look at, you know, opportunities, birdies, DK scoring, and then also uh, par fives, all these are reachable here for these guys. That's something where he can really pick up points. I think the score you mentioned earlier, like 20 under, 2200, like in that type of range, I think that's possible. I think it's also possible we could end up seeing, and again, splitting hairs, but it could be, you know, 17 to 20 range if that wind does pick up and stuff like that. And I feel like Charlie Hoffman in the wind, right? And, you know, that could be mm -hmm. a thing. And at 9,700, it just gets you a, a way to be a bit unique. And we could definitely see a winner come from out of the, this next group. Uh, there's other yeah. guys in here. There's Henrik Stenson, who I'll, I'll leave free, and there's... Cam Tringali, right? If you want to go back there. And then you mentioned Ventura, who I like. And, and then lastly, Peter Malnati. I'm hearing a lot of love about him. So where are you at on this 9K range, you know, as far as these guys go? Yeah, I mean, I I think there's a lot. Um, I think Charlie Hoffman is is the riskiest play. Well, no, I take that back. I think Tringali is the riskiest play. 
Uh, but the biggest kind of boomer bust leverage play, I do not think people are going to play a lot of Charlie Hoffman. Uh, I think they're going to grab one or two from the top and then they love to play McCarthy. Um, I think Stenson is, is probably the clear best player here. And that, that in itself is probably going to drive, you know, 15, 18% ownership. Uh, I think Tringali is the worst player here by far. Um, Malnati is interesting. He has just been so good across the board. Uh, he fits this course tremendously well. And I mean, he finished what fifth and second, his last two starts. I think yeah. you have to just cover up the name and plug your nose and place him on Um He makes a heck of a lot of sense. He, he makes a lot of birdies. He's a good putter. Um, it's an egregious price. Yes. But if you, if you don't look at the name, I think, I think he's in play. Yeah. And I think it's interesting too, because when you look at, you know, sites like fantasy national, the stats and whatnot, he's not really going to pop on there, but then if you go, you know, depending on how you're setting up your model, but if you look back at the last two events, like I said, where we finished fifth and second, all over it, tee to green, all over it on approach. And yeah, of course he made some putts. That's how you do it. But we'll need those here as well. It's not like we, you know, there's any lack of putting necessary. He shows better on Bermuda greens. And when you pair him up against a guy like Cameron Tringali, you say, okay, he's got a third back of the three. I'm open, but what's his upside, right? Versus a guy like Malnati who's making cuts and showing upside. So uh, I do like that call. I think he's one of my favorite plays in this range. Stenson for sure. Hoffman, Again, maybe not in my my FGWC lineup, but I do think he's a, a good play, especially for large field tournaments. And then you mentioned Ventura earlier as a guy we followed along with as far as, you know, DraftKings scoring, birdies are better and all that go. I think that's a solid sign. And then it's a, another guy, um, Oklahoma State, right? With uh, Wolf mm-hmm. and Hovland, the wind factor, you know, back to Ricky Fowler days back there. These are all good wind players. What's uh, What are your thoughts on him then? Because 9,100 seems solid for large field. I think less people will like him at that price than normal. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, I think people will overreact to his miscut at Shriners uh, for sure. Uh, and look, it was a bad week. There's no doubt about that, but he was so good for four or five, six events previous to that. And this field is so much weaker that like, yeah, I think you should go there. Now I will probably only play him a little bit and it's going to be um, in very specific builds. So like I mentioned, you know, I may want a birdie maker kind of bomber type team where I start off, you know, Hoffman Ventura. I think those sorts of teams make a lot of sense. Um, but I would say overall, um, I would rank kind of my ownership in this range. And again, it, it, it's still very, very early, but it's, it's probably going to be, you know, Stenson, Hoffman, and then probably Ventura third. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. Like I said, I'll swing Malnati in there. Uh, Ventura, before the missed cut at the Shriners, quite a good run, eh? Like eight out of nine made cuts with a, a 21st, 15th, 8th, 7th, and 6th mm-hmm. all mixed in there. So if people are going to overlook that and some of the narrative side of it, I, I don't hate going to a guy like him at 9,100. Again, there's going to be a lot of what you know most call sticker shock because the price tag is 9,100 for a guy that you're used to seeing much less. And Speaking of sticker shock, here's a good segue, but we'll get to it. Uh, no, it's not Norlander, who maybe you're thinking I'm going to say, but you, you know, you got to talk to us about this guy, Rasmus Hajgard. He's been talked about. I know a little bit about him from over on the Euro side of things, but you follow it quite heavily over there. You know, people say makes birdies at will. I'm not sure how you think he'll fare if it is extremely windy, but being you know coming from the Euro side. But this 8900 and down range starts to get really enticing. I like a lot of plays in here, and I think that leans to those balanced builds again. So. What, do you, what are your thoughts on Rasmus out of the gate? And then go through some other guys you like here. 
Yeah, he's he, he's very good. Um, he's a very a very interesting player. You know, he's he's historically been uh, a pretty good ball striker over in Europe. But you know, I mean, one, the fields are definitely weaker. But two, you know, he does a lot of his damage off the tee. Um, I, I I don't know how that's going to translate here. I would probably say he's he's going to make the cut and he makes plenty of birdies, but maybe T40, maybe T30. So probably not uh, not the direction that I'm going to go. Um, and I know you're going to play Justin Suh and I know you're going to play Aaron Wise. I am going to play Norlander. I, I absolutely love him this week. I think he's at the right price where he's going to get lost in the shuffle. I think people are going to play two or three over 9K and they're going to skip right down into the low eights, high sevens. And I think Norlander is, is an awesome play. You know, I've been following him for, for many, many years. And like my, I guess my overall notes on him are you play him on short coastal tracks. And that is exactly what we have here. He had a few bad weeks in a row. Um, I am definitely willing to overlook that one considering, you know, his, his longer term ball striking and two, right. His last couple of events, um, he almost won the Sanderson Farms, which was a lot of putting. I get it, but he did gain almost four strokes off the tee. And then the last event at the Shriners, where his short game was abysmal, he gained uh, about a shot and a half off the tee and a shot and a half approach. So he is trending the right way. I expect him to probably be 6 7% owned this week uh, on a course that should suit him very, very well. Yeah, he's always – when is he not gaining with the putter or around the greens or – destroying our hopes and dreams at the memorial, you know, different things mm-hmm. like that, that I can recall. It's true though. And like you said, a lot of that stuff lines up that you, you mentioned. I actually don't hate him this week. You know, the thing about Rasmus, just back to him for two seconds, for those that don't know, 19 years old, right? He's a kid, but everyone yep. that talks about him over on the Euro tour and that has seen him play says, look, great up and comer. He's got a very professional team around him. He's building up for success, right? We're going to mm-hmm. hear his name a lot more. I believe what, what did he win over there recently? Didn't he, didn't he win something in the last few months he, yeah he's won a couple things but yeah he won um i mean i don't remember where it was i'm drawing a blank but when uh, martin keimer made a couple mistakes down the stretch he won yeah yeah i thought so and and that's just uh again another thing that you look at and say uh what was it the uh i was thinking the uk championship but i can't remember exactly so uh either way the the point is just like i said just know that about him inexperienced but very good and, and i think some people will just naturally go there uh, one of the things from last week I saw, I just thought was pretty funny, but you know, people tilting and he wasn't that owned, but like Gary Woodland, you know, <laughs> yeah. and they just play like, it's it's not, you can't just play a guy because he's 1% or 2% and say he has up. If the guy's been talking about a torn labrum in his hip and fighting through it and you want him to go four rounds and score, it's, you know, to be expected. I'm not saying that the withdrawal was likely, but just, it's not something I get behind. Just, I never, I always talk about this. I never really fade a guy just because he's high owned because a high owned guy can get there. And the reason they fail, if they do fail as chalk, it's not because they were 30% owned on DraftKings.com that they went down. They just had a bad week and it's just part of the no, deal. And and there's, yeah. And, and yeah. I mean, there are times where you can take risk with a guy who's injured. And I mean, honestly, I would not do it in a no cut event. I mean, do it in a cut event where there's already some inherent risk of guys not playing well and missing the cut. <laughs> yeah, guaranteed like, paycheck. Let's, let's yeah. Do it. yeah. Yeah. No, I'm with you, man. And it was just that. And I think that's the thing here, right? Like, Get, a, get some Rasmus shares. If you're playing 150 lineups like I am, then for sure I'm going to get some in there because what if, right? He could pop off here. There, you know, he's a great golfer, as we talked about. But to do it just because he's 1%, I don't know. And there's some other guys around. Like I said, when you can already get a guy who you just mentioned all these great aspects on with Henrik Norlander and a guy that we've seen do extremely well and have some of that upside or, or Ventura above at 9,100, why would you do that? Or just play Justin Sir, like you said, or Aaron Wise. 
yeah. you know, we're going to get back on that. I like Aaron Wise a bit more. I've already heard a little bit of Justin Sue chatter. I do worry a little bit about not experience because he's, he's out there and he's obviously that up and comer and the guy that we've been watching lately, what is it? Three top twenties now or something like that, that he's got going or, or a couple back to back, at least with the Shriners and the Corrales. And I know that, uh, you know, we talked about it with Wolf and Morikawa and Hovland and, and all these guys, and he's in the same class. He's definitely showing that lately. I don't mind him. I'll have shares. I like the fact that wise, you know, is, has something going here from last year, had a good run here last year, his stats, the air we breathe, the water we drink, the soil that grows food for our families. These basic elements are essential to healthy, happy lives. America's corn growers think so too. Across the country, they're pitching in every day and doing the work to produce food and fuel that is healthy in a sustainable way. Go to ncga.com to learn more about how corn farmers grow a more sustainable future for us all. That's ncga.com. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl and a foul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law all pop for me as far as birdies are better stroke even on the last 50 rounds t to green approach looks solid uh what is there four par threes here he's solid on the par threes so uh i can go back to aaron wise at that price didn't make the cut at the shriners again like you talked about but a lot of people didn't make the cut because the cut ended up being seven under after all was said and done so guys were missing the cut like scheffler and matsuyama at six under and whatnot so um what about though here's a couple more for you obviously i really like this range but uh, Scott Piercy and Luke List, what, what do we do here? Because Luke List pops off the page for me, uh, bet num- betting-wise with his number, and then just in general, as far as DFS at 8,400, uh, I think he really stands out. So what are you doing in this range, lower he, end? Yeah, I mean, yes, List stands out. I think uh, I'm definitely a little bit concerned that uh, he was not very good in his last start. I don't, I guess, I also don't know if this is the right, course for him right he he has done well on some shorter narrow courses but i mean we would typically lump him into a bombers type team um and also you know he has had some absolutely egregious events with the putter of late i mean losing six seven eight strokes on the greens that is not something that you can do here uh, at all uh, you're gonna need a guy who's gaining three four five six if you want him to contend this week so um I think, again, I'm going to have a very, very narrow pool in this range. It's going to involve a lot of Norlander. It is going to involve Piercy. Uh, it is going to involve Adam Shank, who we didn't get to yet. So at this point, that's probably it. I probably will not have Luke List in there. Give me the Piercy Thunder, though, because I was going to, you know, I was going to take it and go with it. But I think the other thing is with List, like you mentioned, and the putting and all that that goes with it. I, I actually think List will be one of the highest owned in this range at 8,400. I know it's early, but it just feels like he fits sort of the, any type of build, right? So you can fit him into whatever you want your optimal to look like. He plugs in at 8,400. You see the stats, the numbers all look good across the board, but what's your thoughts on Scott Piercy then? Cause you just mentioned him and I actually really like Piercy and I bet him as well. Yeah. I would say I like Piercy a little bit more. Um, He's been pretty sneaky with the ball striking of late. Um, he was great in Shriners. You know, I, I, I probably won't, I probably won't weigh that quite as much because, you know, we always know how well he plays in Vegas. He 
plays that course all the time. He, he seems to always play well in, in the desert. Um, but Piercy, you know, he, he's kind of at that point in his career where he's, he's fallen off a little bit and he needs to start playing better. Um, he had a pretty bad year last year and, 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 and that's why he is in, in these fields versus, you know, 24 months ago, he was in world golf championships, uh, and playing very, very high end events. So yeah, he gained 8.2 ball striking at Shriners. Uh, and even before that at Sanderson farms, he was great off the tee and approach. So, um, and I love his birdie making upside. So yeah, Piercy yeah. over list for me for sure. I saw a stat there. Yeah. It was at the Shriners. I think it was only five bogeys, 21 birdies on an Eagle. Mm-hmm. T to green approach were dialed. I mean, that's good coming in. But even if you look back, um, you know, other events that he's played, he sort of lines up. You talk, you know, desert golf, this is not that. But the idea of, you know, the, the weather being better. If the wind is a factor, I actually like Piercy in the mm-hmm. wind. I think that's been a thing for a long time now. Uh, coastal tracks that we've seen him do well at. Uh, one thing we didn't talk about earlier, um, and if you don't have any, that's okay. I'm just curious. You know, some people always look for this, and I do try and dial into it a little bit as well. We, you know, we're on Bermuda Greens. That's one thing. That's another note on Piercy, two of his four wins on Bermuda grass greens. So that's nice to see and, and just see him coming in because he still did lose strokes putting at the Shriners. So, you know, maybe mm-hmm. that helps out. But what about correlation courses, Baroff? Anything that you're, you know, sticks out in your mind right away? I've seen a few different ones mentioned in some of the quotes from other golfers and then other articles linking to that. But what stands out in your mind as far as, you know, comp, comp courses? Yeah, I mean, as I said, these these resort courses kind of all play the same. So, I mean, I would really, I would just look at Mayakoba and, and then maybe Punta Cana. And I, I, I don't have it in front of me, but I'm pretty sure Piercy's played Mayakoba well. I don't know if he's won there, but I'm pretty sure he's played it well. Yeah. I'd have to go back and look. I know at, uh, you know, some of the other courses people had mentioned were Pebble, you know, Harbor town, places like that. So you know, I think it was, the quote was somebody said, this is like Harbor town without the trees. And then someone else said, no, it's kind of like, you know, where they play the Mayakoba, whatever. I forget the name of the course now, but. Um, El Camillion. Yes, El Camillion. That's it. So th- that was the two quotes that kind of stood out and made those two courses stand yeah. out. And Piercy's played well at both of those courses uh, in the last year. And yeah, now Piercy, coming up- of, so of the people who are here, um, who have, you know, pretty good sample sizes, he is number seven when you look at just Mayakoba. So yeah, he's played well there. Yeah, I do like that. So uh, I'll be there. You know, we talked to you, you've hit on Shank. We mentioned him a little bit. What just before we go to Shank, we'll leave it, we'll end on him and then we'll bust through this bigger 7K range. We've got a little bit of time here. Uh, mm-hmm. you talk about resort golf courses. What about Pat Perez? Isn't that his thing? <laughs> yeah, he, he, just, he just doesn't he, he just doesn't seem to be good right now. Um, <laughs> and there's not really <laughs> much kind of beyond that. You know, he had a couple of good weeks for the putter. Um, I thought back the like the back half, like through Wyndham, and uh, he started to play better, but that's kind of fallen off again. So, um, and I do think he will garner some ownership. You know, he, he's a brand name in this range where there's not a lot of brand names. Um, and I think people will fall in, into that same trap of, you know, it's like the CIMB and he's played well on, on, on these sort of courses. You can look at Sony, for example. Um, so I'm going to pass on, on Pat Perez this week. Okay. Talk to me about Shank. Then, you know, I love Shank. I was like, I mean, it's just for the fact that he makes birdies and well, yeah, that's it. Price I mean, tag just seems so it, it's almost like, if we had Cam that week, we had Cam Davis at 8,100 and yeah. you just knew it was too cheap for Cam Davis. And so you just played him. And this is one of the ones I'm talking about where don't really care about what the ownership is probably going to be something. But at the same time, you know, you do have guys around him that could garner it away. Like, you know, we talked about lists, we talked about Perez, those spots. We'll get to, you know, the 7.9 K range in a second, which has a couple guys there. And, mm-hmm. and you've got Shank right there at 8,100 as a birdie maker, par five scorer. Yep. Just so much upside. How does he miss the cut? It's there. Now that's the, 
the dagger right there. But you think about it, 8,100, I got to take a chance, right? Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, I mean, not that I would uh, advocate for playing very many cash games this week, but he would be the cash play here. Um, he doesn't, he doesn't quite have, have the upside of a guy like Cam Davis. Um, but he makes a lot of birdies, shoots a lot of rounds in the 60s. You know, he's not going to shoot a lot of 63, 64s, but he shoots a lot of 68, 69. Um, and yeah, he's going to make 20 birdies this week. Um, I think that's, that's pretty much a lot considering the form that he's in. He, uh, he hits it pretty long and uh, he, he tends to have pretty good irons as well. If there was a weakness, it would be putting. But again, he, he just seems to make enough putts that he's going to pay off value uh, more times than not. Um, and I think, you know, of course, we're used to playing him kind of mid sixes, but that's the same with everybody in this range. And I think, um, I think he's a very, very safe play this week. Yeah, I do like that. He's trying to trend up for you, man. He, you know, 56 at the Corrales, 32nd at the Sanderson, 27th at the Shriners. He bumped it by a few spots there. Yeah, but at some point in the first 36 holes, he'll be in the top five. And then, yeah, he'll probably finish 18th, 20th, 25th, something like that. Yeah, he's got a tough time coming around on that. Like you said, it's just something. But for, you know, the last, what, 10, of, he's like 10 for 10 made cuts, mm-hmm. gaining, you know, T to green in all of them, mostly on approach, putting three of the last four, like pretty much everything you're looking at points up for a guy like him. Like you say, it's not a flashy play. It's it's more of a, a cash game or plug him in and get different elsewhere type of play. But I think it's yep. you know just a, a guy that's not priced correctly for what we should see out of him. And I'm okay with eating that and then going down. Here's where it gets a bit interesting. I actually don't love the top of the 7K range. If we're just doing 7.6 and up, and then we we'll go from mm-hmm. 7.5 and down, you know, not much that stands out. My boy Noto at, over at Roto Grinders always says, you know, never play Patrick Rogers on Bermuda. And that's held up pretty good the last few times, but I think he's going to pop a little bit in stats and, and models and stuff like that. So there's, there, there's him there. I don't mind Stallings, but I know your boy here, Wesley Bryan. Well, what are we doing with him? Because he's been playing some pretty good golf as of late. Yeah, I think this is the one guy who is underpriced. I think Wes Bryan could be 8,700 in this field and, and, and no one would bat an eye. So yeah. he is, yeah. I, and I think, you know, my sheet here is, is probably weighing the short-term, short-term form a little bit too heavily, but he is far and away the best value here. Not even close. Um, so yes, I will be playing Wesley Bryan. You mentioned Stallings. I'm a sucker for Stallings. I will play him. I will have to limit my exposure, but I do like Stallings a lot. Um, the only other one that I'm going to play here is probably Sepp Straka, and I, I just always do. Uh, but again, you know, a birdie maker, uh, a very, very good ball striker who seems to have turned around his putting. I mean, you look back to the last six, seven, eight, nine events, and like he's pretty much gaining putting every single event. So obviously something he was working on. And if the ball striking comes back to where it was last year, like I think he has potentially winning upside, um, but definitely top 10 upside for sure. Yeah. I like Sepstraka. I feel like, I feel almost like he's a, a cheaper version of Henrik Norlander. Um, yeah, to an extent, I think he does. Um, he does everything a little bit worse. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's priced fairly though. That's I'm always looking for these angles. If I can find, you know, Morikawa for the you know two thousand less than Xander, I'd often mm-hmm. take that for an example, yeah. right? Like I, I like to look for just little things like that. Obviously, you can play them both. Uh, you can definitely play them both. Uh, a couple other guys here, you know, Russell Knox getting a little bit of love out there. Um, Blame Mayo. You know, I mean, come on, we don't play Russell Knox, Pat. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I've heard a few things, right? So uh, you know, coming around a little bit, but missed the cut at the Shriners and the Sanderson Farms. Looked better at the Safeway at the Shriners. He actually gained. 
Tita Green and on approach, he just can't make anything. But I wonder if the wind factor would be something in his favor at this event. You've got, you know, not many other guys around him. You like Wes Bryan, you like uh, Sepp Straka. There's what, Tom Lewis, Johnny Vegas. A- any of these other guys stand out as we move down into the next range here? No, I mean, I can always talk myself into Johnny Vegas at these events, but he, yeah, he just hasn't been that good. And I think, you know, um, uh, Punta Cana is a little bit different because that's a course where you do hit a lot more drivers. Um, here and uh, Mayakoba, you really don't hit as many drivers. So um, I'm probably going to have to manually exclude Vegas because I will always play him. Um, yeah. yeah, Lewis hasn't been great. I would say, you know, Brian Stewart makes a lot of sense here. It's just, it's never fun to play Brian Stewart, but when he plays well, um, kind of like Adam Shank, right? The upside maybe isn't there, but he makes a lot of birdies. Um, so yeah, I think Stewart makes a lot of sense. Um, and I will have to manually exclude Johnny Vegas. It's, it's actually makes some sense. I mean, you talk about like Vegas and list, those are the types of guys that people are just naturally going to migrate towards because there's the upside and the stats and everything will show that they can do it and then they'll make the birdies and whatnot. But I just keep thinking in the back of my mind, again, early look, it's Monday, all my stuff's over at Roto Guys. You guys can follow throughout the week. Wednesday night is the night to be there for the final decisions, the exposures, lineup HQ, breaking it all down. But mm-hmm. Baroff, the thoughts of just, you know, last year's leaderboard and some of these boring names that are in the mix because it's just what it takes, right? And also the other thing with that said is the experience factor, right? When you got a course like this set up, what they talk about, you know, the, the second quote that I mentioned with the rolling hills and, you know, it's not really the just rbc heritage with no trees it's got some other factors to it so i think that's the the other way to look at it and then the facts of being able to play in the wind and knowing that one day this wind means you got to hit this club and the next day it could be 30 yards off and how to adjust to that on the fly right i think there's going to be some more names that come up that we're about to get into mccumber homa hadley you know those names that are coming up here talk to me about them and then just overall thoughts on you know the boring guys versus the the natural born scorers that we're used to playing in events like this. Yeah. Um, and I think the other one that, that uh, you didn't mention is Lahiri. Uh, yep. I mean, that's a guy who can score that would fit kind of the, the, the accuracy, you know, guy with experience type things. Um, I feel like with McCumber, like, you know, he, he, he's probably cheaper than he should be, but like, I feel like I had two or three very, very good weeks with him. <laughs> and then he yeah. was really bad at the Shriners. And like, I'm probably ready to hop off of that because I assume he, he's still going to be pretty popular. Um, Bramlett is there. People always seem to play uh, Bramlett for some reason. I, I think again, just, he makes birdies. Um, yeah. Those next few guys, I, I don't have a lot of interest in, in Merritt or Hadley. Um, we always talk about Bryce Garnett at, at these events, right? Just seems to play well on these courses. So maybe that's a place you go. But again, I don't know about the upside there. Um, and then I mentioned Max Homa. I think he's going to be very popular just because of the price. And, you know, if you get a guy like that who's going to push 18, 20% own, I'm just not going to play him. There's just, you know, I just don't think there's any leverage there. So, um, I'm trying to think what else here. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Duffner and Stanley. They're people that I always play. I, I, I just, I don't know about the upside there. I would say Gim is probably a slightly better option than both of them. Um, just, he's... God, this field good. is so bad. Right? Oh yeah, like... Oh my gosh, this is so bad. Good. Just go on, but it's like anybody you talk about, who has upside is the question more, well, more yeah, I mean, likely I think what that. I would it's do... Like, yeah, I mean, I think what I would do, honestly, for those of you who are building 20, 30, 50, or 150 teams is, you know, 
don't make too many hard decisions at the top, but like make your cuts here. Like I would not have a a very big pool under 7,500 this week because I think you mentioned, I think balanced lineups make a lot more sense and there's just a lot of crap down here. And like, I don't want to pick 20 guys under 7,500, like just pick five or six that you like, and then you shuffle around the eights, nines and tens. I, I just think that's the way to go this week. Yeah. I don't see much down here, man. Like, you know, Hadley interested me a little bit only because we normally talk about him on Bermuda, right? We wait for that. But again, mm-hmm. hasn't really impressed lately. If you look a little bit more long-term, sure, he pops a little bit in the stats and the numbers and whatnot. But it's like I would probably actually play Duffner and Stanley before Homa, Hadley, and Gim. And just going back to that experience factor, the the you know none of them really have upside. What I'm looking for is the made cut. And then what if it's one of those situations where we've got – what have we seen lately with, uh, you know – Sergio and guys like this that are winning sync these guys are just coming out of the woodworks and getting Mm -hmm. W's out there on tour. I'd be more inclined for that. And then the factor of what we talked about with experience and wind. And then what we talked about with last year's leaderboard, realistically only Scheffler and wise would have been young guns, quote unquote, that you're, you're thinking about hitting the top. It's, it's a lot of that mixed in and those factors. So uh, anybody else, Rob Oppenheim, excite you or anybody Oppenheim. Yeah. I kind of always play him, but again, you know, he's someone who I'd expect to make the cut and finish T35. So like, okay, maybe you sprinkle a little bit, but definitely um, not a lot of conviction there. Um, yeah. I mean, there's only a few under here. Um, I think under the seven K mark that like I would even go to, you know, a lot of people have been talking about Kramer Hickok. I, I haven't spent too much time looking at him, but that's a name that I guess in theory makes sense, but I want to figure out why people are talking about him. Power right? Just another guy who, who tends to play well in these weak events in the wind. Um, I, I think there's really only two guys who I'm actually excited to play here. Uh, one of them is the guy we play every single week, Mike, uh, Michael Glitch. Wait, Michael, Michael Glitch, Canadian. I, I can't even say the Canadian name. It's too hard for me. Um, <laughs> he, uh, yeah, look, he, he has been making a lot of cuts. He's shown top 20 upside. Always seems to fire one low round. So um, I think he's still underpriced. And then not to bury a lead here, but 6,200 for Ollie. Oh God. I was, I thought you were going to go Josh Teeter. Cause I know you're getting ready to hop on with Wiley. We'll, we'll mention that after golf. Land. No, but I mean, incredible Ollie, podcast, but he loves Josh Teeter. And I thought you were going to bring him up, but Ollie is in the field. We Ollie's were going to get right. there. He's, yes. he's been playing a lot better of late. You know, he contended a couple times on the corn Ferry tour. He's obviously, you know, spent a lot of time grinding this cause he was, he was done. He was lost. Um, so, yeah, I mean, for 6,200 in this sort of field, like, you know, okay, I'll take a shot there. Um, and then on that same note, the only other guy that I will mention is uh, Lucas Beauregard. He's, he obviously has been lost and terrible for the last year, year and a half. Um, he's flashed a little bit in Europe. I think he only made one or two cuts, but he shot some pretty good rounds, including a couple of bogey free. And uh, he just uh, tweeted or put out some kind of Instagram where he's been, you know, working with his coach and he, he at least says that uh, he's close that I think he says something like the path is clear. Um, And again, for 6,500 in this kind of field, you know, if you're building 150 teams, you throw them on five, like, okay, you know, it's not going to hurt you that much. All these brothers here at at stone men. Yeah. Yeah. There's two Schneider Johns. Yeah. Nice. Okay. That's uh, I'm just learning things as I go along. I've spent very little time in this lower range because it's like you said, not too much stands out. I saw Ollie, your boy Zach Sutra's down there at, at 6,200 with Ollie. If you want to get a little pivot on, 
Graham Dillette, any any love there? There's a, there's a couple names we talked about in the past. I know you don't like Graham, but what about him down there at this range? He could have a, a bounce back, couldn't he? And he shot that that really low round. What was it 63 or 64 out in the desert? Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess that's a good sign. I would, uh, yeah, I'm I'm just going through these names down here. They're pretty bad. Um, yeah, there's there's really nothing here. I mean, I yeah, I, I and we're guess, more so making fun of it versus unprepared. It's just the idea of how bad think, this range really is, right? If you look at it, there's some names. Uh, I guess a couple we didn't talk about. Um, Will Gordon, you know, is a yeah. little bit been a DFS darling. Uh, Keith Mitchell. Might get some love, uh, Bermuda Bermuda Greens, Bermuda Keith. So Killer Keith on Bermuda Greens down here at 6,700. Uh, the Barn Rat, man, people like him. The, these greens should be, uh, one thing we didn't talk about earlier too, is they talk about this course being having a little bit slower greens because of the fact that it, when the wind picks up, they don't want to completely kill the yeah. entire event, right? So uh, I know Barn Rat likes some, some slower greens. So what about uh, Will Gordon, Keith Mitchell, and Kiradesh Affy Barn Rat, guys that people actually know their name and you could throw Burgoon or Von Taylor in there as well. Any of those five that suit your fancy. Yeah. I mean, I think again, I've, I get, if I had to pick, uh, I would say Will Gordon is probably my favorite of that bunch. Uh, Barn rat's been, been pretty bad for a while now. Um, and Mitchell, like, I feel like maybe he had one good ball striking week and we all jumped on him and then he's just been terrible since then. Uh, so yeah, I don't have a lot of faith in him. Um, but yeah, I mean, all those guys you mentioned are, are, are pretty good birdie makers, you know, um, I guess Von Taylor has been lost as well. I don't know what's been going on with him, but yeah, Gordon would probably be my favorite. Um, I think people will play Chase Seifert again, just a guy who, you know, puts pretty well and makes a lot of birdies. Um, I would probably go a different direction. Like you can look at uh, a guy like Brandon Hagee. Uh, you could look at Chris Baker who we played for a while. And, and, and again, just a guy whose ball striking was off the charts and yeah, let's just, you know, he had one bad week. Maybe we just overlooked that and just kind of go back to Baker. Yeah. Chris Baker, the birdie maker, man, they don't call him that for no reason. And like you said before last couple events, you know, he was really dialed in both T to green on approach really just yeah. couldn't find a putter. And, and so if he gets that going here and like I said, a little bit slower greens, that's a, you know, back to last week, not to you know, harp on it, but that was one of the things with guys like Cantlay, you know, that just you and Corey Connors, you use those two as prime examples where, the greens weren't as difficult. Tiger had mentioned it late in the week. That's why you got to watch these press conferences, get as much information as you can. He said he called it quote unquote member friendly. But what he was saying basically is that they slowed the greens down a bit, right? We're not going to, we're going to let some scores happen here with the best in the world. And mm -hmm. I enjoyed the event overall, but I, I thought that was one key note that sort of put guys like Connors on my, my radar, because that's all that really it takes, right? When you get that going, a guy like, uh, you know, Cantlay, we see him contend all the time because he's, he never makes a bogey. He just doesn't make a lot of birdies usually unless he's going on to win a tournament. And sure enough, that's what happened there last week. So this week, something like that, a guy like Chris Baker makes a whole lot of sense. Brandon Hagee, who you mentioned there. Don't mind that. And then last guy, maybe just a, a little bit that stands out to me here is uh, Ryan Armour. Just look for a mm -hmm. way to get it going again. One of those boring guys, but can hit fairways, hit greens when he gets it going. We've seen it at a couple events and he got eighth here last year. It's a one, one time sample, but just more of a, you know, par three, he can score on some numbers that he could put up. If, really, if he makes the cut, we've got a little bit of upside there. And we've even seen him show a little bit more than that in the past. So uh, don't mind someone like him. Anybody else you want to mention here down in this range? No. I'm with you on that. I echo the same thing. And awesome going through it with you, man. Let's talk a little bit then about some bets. And do you want to talk a little bit? Tell us about the Euro. We always bring you on. Give us your, you know, three-minute 
elevator pitch for what's it called? The Cypress Open this week over there? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, one of the um, the new events that they've added here. So obviously no course form, uh, nothing like that here. But yeah, very, very short course, under 6,900 yards again here, par 70. So uh, not bombers, not par five scoring, um, which again, seems to suit these uh, Euro guys pretty well. Um, the field is not bad. I mean, overall, it's still, you know, a pretty, pretty weak field, but at least we have some names at the top that like we recognize, you know, Hal Tong is here, Thomas Dietrich is here, Andy Sullivan, Joust Is Loughton, it better than this? It sounds like it's Schwab. always better than this. It is definitely better than this. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Schwab, Jordan Smith, Bobby Mack, Horsefield, like there are some players here. So like the thing with Euro that kind of we've seen week in and week out is, is, I mean, we've seen a lot of the same guys play every week and we've seen them play well and kind of maintain form. Uh, everyone was on Lori Cantor last week. Um, he's, he's been contending nonstop. So he finished runner up. He had a 10th, a fifth and a second, um, with a couple of the top 15 finishes recently. So like all these guys seem to be knocking on the door. Um, but yeah, I think beyond that, um, it's in Cyprus, obviously wind is going to be a factor. So that in itself is, is again, going to throw a bit of a wrench into this. Um, but yeah, really all that I do with the Euro stuff is, um, is really just look at the ball striking. You know, there's not a lot of data out there. You have to look for it, uh, but it is there. And so looking for these shorter, more accurate hitters who have been kind of really good ball striking who make a lot of birdies. Right. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. You get the numbers and they move pretty quickly. I, I've woke mm -hmm. up to a few texts of, you know, get this guy. And, I'll, you know, I'm just an hour behind and you're yep. already on top of it. So uh, I love that. Give us some of the numbers. I know other people might not get the same numbers, but who are some of the guys you bet over there this week. If, if you guys don't follow Ryan on Twitter, he'll give it out at the end here, but he's going to post his card every single week. You'll see it out there every week. There's something sharp. And even when guys troll him a little bit, it's a guy like Bubba. And what does he do? He shows up. And like we talked about at the top of the show, one or two mistakes on Sunday away from being right in the mix to take that thing down. So I'll never hate on it, but what do you got for numbers over on Euro? And then give me a couple of the bets for this tournament for this week. And then I'll get us out of here. Yeah. I mean, not to take uh, any full credit or, Credit away from uh, Ben Coley, whose article is great. We all look at it every single week. But his his top two headliners were my top two headliners, so I assume everybody's going to be on them. Uh, Schwab at 28 to 1 and Antoine Rosner at 40 to 1. Uh, of yep. course, you know, we are the Rosner truthers. I, I have pretty much bet him every time I can at a decent number. Um, and this is, yeah, I think this is a great course for him. Um, so those would be my two favorite. Schwab was number one stroke approach last week, and, and he, he hasn't been particularly good. He's had a few good rounds here, and so to see him go a full tournament four rounds and be number one stroke approach, um, I think that is a, a great sign leading into this week. So those are my first two. Um, and then the other guys that I bet that I texted you about earlier, um, and again, they were just awesome ball striking last week. Louis Dieger, Um he was 140 to one. And then uh, Damien Perrier, nobody really knows about him. He's a challenge tour player mostly. Um, but um, yeah, he was 250 to one. He was in the top 10 last week and was number, I think number eight or so in strokes gained Tita green. And so, yeah, for 250 to one, like you get a good top five number, I'll gamble. Yeah, I always gamble. I tell you that because uh, it would take a lot more than 40 to one or a lot more of my bankroll to put on Rosner to be able to get back to even on that one. But thankfully, you do send me these each way, unit, you know, ideas and I can go after those and put a few units down. And those typically will get at least an each way here and there to, to pay off the Rosner. Uh, just a run poor stretch of betting <sighs> him. So 
Uh, that's the worst, but we'll, we'll go with that. What do you got for this event here? Um, for a winner? Yeah. Any, do, you, do you got any bets down yet for this one? Um, yes, I do. For the Bermuda, you mean? Yes. Yes. I, uh, yes, I bet Straka, and I bet Wes Bryan, and I bet Henrik Stenson. Um, so Stenson was 40, Straka was 55, um, and then Wes Bryan was 90. He has since plummeted to 66 and even 50 in some places. So that was, uh, I mean, look, he's probably not going to win, but okay, whatever. And then the only other one that I'm going to look at, I mentioned Norlander. He opened at 45, which it, it just feels way too short for me. So I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll get a little bit of a drift. Uh, if I can get him even 55 or 60 would probably make it more stomachable, but he's, he's the fourth guy that I would like to add. Totally off topic, but as you were saying that, I just had a thought in my mind that RB stands for run bad. So now we know. <laughs> Thank you. Why, why the case is your initials literally stand for run bad. So that's I, uh, that makes so much more sense now. And now I know why we're tilting together every week after, you know, during these events and leading up to the end of them. But yeah, no, those are all good picks. I'm going to give you my bets quickly and you're going to probably shit on them. But I got Sir at 40 to 1. I, I don't mind that. I got List and Piercy at 50. Mm -hmm. I got Hadley at 80 with a T5 each way. Just the back to Bermuda. I like him coming back on that. And then I did take a, a shot on Garnett at 100. I didn't even get the best number, but top five each way in case, just in case, right? I kind of like him to round it out. Any, any thoughts on those guys? Yeah, I mean, it, look, it's, it's one of those weeks where a guy like Bryce Garnett could win, right? It's a pretty weak field. I mean, I think Hadley's probably the, probably the one that I would not touch. He's just he's yeah, really bad. bad. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think... I think he's just been bad. Um, yeah, Piercy's interesting. You know, Piercy is, is honestly probably a better bet than uh, Norlander at the same price. But, you know, I'll just trust the model on that one, I guess. Yeah, and List is kind of like, uh, I feel like he's like almost like a Hatton, where if he shows up, the Hatton of late, I would say this, not, not as, you know, pertains to skill set or anything, where if Hatton, when he shows up, he's either winning or right there in the mix lately to top five it or whatever versus, you know, List is either going to show up or go home, right? It's just one, there's only really two options i don't see look a lot i of mean it was i mean it was a corn fairy event but he did win recently so yes, it's not like he exactly. can't i mean this field is is, is about certainly the same very corn fairy esque i was gonna say it's basically the same thing that he just did so yeah i don't hate it uh we normally run one and done for me it's not too serious i'm not gonna talk a lot about it you know Will, willie z or todd if you got them left because you probably do if you want to use one of the favorites up top otherwise just use somebody that bear and i talked about as far as you know the guys in the mix and take a stance. Maybe this is the week to look for, uh, you know, the skin, go after the, the unknown, the, the one guy that you're the only one that has them in one and done, but even those are tough to find and feels like this, unless you go way off the board. But if there was ever a field or an event to go way off the board, this would be it. Any sure. final thoughts before we get out of here, bear off? No, I mean, good luck in the, uh, fantasy golf world championship. I am not in that. Um, uh, but I gave you my, uh, my strategy for the week if I did have a seat. So hopefully, uh, Hopefully that works out for you. Yeah, I got to decide if I'm going with uh, team team projections or team watch the tape, but we'll decide that as the week goes on. Still got lots of time to get on board with that. Uh, let the people know where they can find you, man. Appreciate you coming on again. Yeah, sure. No, my pleasure. Happy to fill in when uh, you and Kenny aren't available. Uh, RB427, um, sorry, rbearoff 427 on Twitter. Forgot even my Twitter handle. Hey, uh, stop for two seconds. It's almost run bad 24-7. 
but it's, it's that close. We're getting, we're finding out all these things tonight. Go ahead. See, there you go. Yep. And then uh, I will be on the Golflandia podcast with Wiley. We'll be recording soon. Uh, so that should drop later tomorrow morning. Yeah. Love that. Shout out to Wiley. You know, happy to have you on here, man. Totally appreciate it. As you guys know, you can find my stuff over on rotogrinders.com. Uh, check out rotogrinders.com slash DGen. Get yourself the five bucks off the first month. All of my stuff. Tuesday night, I do the show live with Notorious and STL Cards. Uh, STL Cards squeaked into the FGWC round two. He got 98th and was praying for no stack corrections. Shout out Ben Raza. I know he uh, he snuck in as well. So good for the, good for them to get them across as well. And then uh, Wednesday, I'm going to do my lineup HQ show. Special guest from Roto Grinders each week. Just going through the final breakdown of exposures, lineup construction, pretty much everywhere and what I'm doing to put it all together. And then, of course, all of my NFL stuff Thursday through Sunday. Thank you guys for all the support. Remember to like, rate, review, all that good stuff. Keeps the show free. Other than that, let's win some motherfucking money. D-Gen Nation. In a rapidly changing world, people wonder more and more about where their food comes from and how it was grown. The farmers who grow America's corn understand how important this is and want to share the stories from our farms of how we are working to grow an incredible crop that can be an answer to sustainability questions and is grown by men and women who value the air, water, soil, and our natural resources just like you. To find out more about how corn farmers are working to feed and fuel a vibrant economy and healthy planet, visit ncga.com. NCGA, a commitment to the future. Discover the new 3-Step Pro Partial Range, specifically designed to clean your partials and remaining teeth in three simple steps. Clean your partial, strengthen your natural teeth, protect your whole mouth. Stand up to further tooth loss with Polident Pro Partial, available at Walmart. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working... The HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.